Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text is um, the Gospel reading. Maybe seated. In the name of Jesus. Amen. From the time of the Garden of Eden, life has been lived as a gift from the outside in. Life has been lived as a gift from the outside in. Grace, dear friends, nothing new. Grace is written into the very fabric of creation from Genesis 1.1. Life, life has never been earned and deserved all gift, baby. All gift. 100% G-I-F-T gift. And Marty Luther brings this out beautifully in his meaning of the first article of the creed. You know these words? All this he does only out of fatherly, divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me. Now the all this, the all this is God clothing us, God feeding us, God sheltering us, God putting shoes on our feet, God protecting us from that ancient dragon and his satanic cronies. The all this, dear friends, was already there in the beginning with our first parents, Papa Adam and Mama Eve. Oh, how our Father, who art in heaven, cared for our first parents, <coughs> built for them that beautiful garden home, rang the dindin bell, and said, Come and get it! Come! All is ready! Come, come and eat! Talk about a spread. Woo! Talk about a spread. I mean, there in that perfect world, Papa Adam and Mama Eve ate. They also breathed. Oh, yeah, they breathed, even in paradise, oxygen. <laughs> and, uh, and they drank. They drank H2O. They drank water. Every bite of a pear, every breath of fresh air, Every single swig of water they did share reminded them that all of life is lived from the outside in. The outside in. All of it. All of life lived from the outside in. Not independent. Not self-made men and women. Not rugged individuals, totally and utterly dependent on the D-I-V-I-N-E divine. And the same goes for us, right? You know this. Deep down, you know this. Hey, let's hold our breath as long as we can, right? And just keep holding our breath. And keep holding our breath. What is that going to spell? D-E-A-T-H, death. And the last time I checked, no one here, including myself, 
has a, you know, a drinking fountain inside him or her. No, no one here has, has Aldi or Meyer or Kroger in their, in, their, in their bodies. The food, the drink, the air, all comes to us from the outside in. From the outside in. All GIFT gift from our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But our first parents, Papa Adam and Mama Eve, committed sin, and they ate food that wasn't meant for their din-din, leaving humanity unable to gratify that growling gut with it. Now, paradise wasn't just paradise. It was a foodie's paradise. Like, you know, it was like a Michelin star restaurant without, you know, the... The reservations you have to make seven, eight, nine, ten months in advance. Uh, no, no prices, no cost, no, no bill, no, no gratuity. Oh, gratis, free, 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 free. Papa Adam, Mama Eve could eat to their heart's content anything they wanted. Except, except, except for that one tree. You remember the command. There was one tree that was off limits, off the menu, off the diet of Papa Adam and Mama Eve. You remember these words. Genesis 2.17, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now the Lord attached his word, his word, to that forbidden tree. Saying, okay, eat from this tree and you will die. Not just temporally, but, 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 eternally. And we know what Mama Eve did, don't we? Mama Eve separated the word from the tree. Now, she had a little nudge, a little push by that slithery serpent Satan who said these words, Genesis 3, 1. And by the way, he's still asking this question to humanity, okay? Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Now, that satanic seed of doubt Planted in Eve's heart, sprouted. Sprouted ever so quickly, like immediately. Here's a response to that ancient dragon. We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. God did not have a hands-off policy with the forbidden tree, did he? He said nothing about touching the tree, okay? Only, don't eat. Don't eat. Don't eat. So what is Mama Eve doing here? What was she doing? Adding to God's word. She was divorcing the word of God from the tree, which made the fruit look so tasty, and so she 
ate it with glee and gave some to her hubby, leaving humanity in sin and death eternally. We know the death sentence pronounced over Papa, Adam, and Mama Eve and all of their children, right? The Adams family. We heard it at the beginning of this season of Lent, didn't we? As those ashes were smeared on your forehead and mine. In the shape of a cross, words were added to those ashes, weren't, weren't they? These words, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And the Adam, Adam's family got the boot from that garden home, right? Got the boot. Even though the Adam's family, that, you know, that's us, by the way, we got the boot, the air, the food, the drink, still all gift from the inside out, but no matter how much air we breathe, no matter how much food we eat, no matter how much beverages we drink, however many, none of that will keep us alive beyond the G-R-A-V-E grave. Not enough. Can't get no satisfaction. At all, period. We are left hangry. Hangry. But tonight, dear friends, is the night that we get to say, hangry no more. Say it with me. Hangry no more. Hangry no more. This is the night that we get to celebrate our God who gives grub that gratifies our growling guts. And that's because Jesus institutes a dinner, a dinner, doesn't he? A dinner that delivers from sin, delivers from death, delivers from hangry forever. He's the Passover lamb. That's who our Lord is, the Passover lamb. He is the Passover lamb who is roasted, resurrected, and remembered. So that we live life now and always from the outside in, satisfied and saved. Dear friends, a dinner connected to deliverance uh, ain't anything new for the OT people of God. You heard the Old Testament reading. God's people locked up in those Egyptian chains, locked up in that Egyptian slavery captivity. And while locked up, God commanded them to slaughter. Slaughter lambs and roast the flesh and take the blood from the lambs and, and, and put it where? On the, on the doorpost, smearing the doorpost of their homes. And that blood, the lamb's blood, sheltered and saviored, saved God's people, just as he promised. Exodus 12, 13. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land. The Lamb's blood delivered from death. 
The lamb's blood delivered from that deep, dark Egyptian dungeon. And God's people would never forget about it. They would never forget about it. Forget about it. Ever. Because God commanded them to celebrate his Passover every single year. Every single year. And that's what Jesus did as a faithful, obedient Jew. He celebrated the Passover, the Lord's Passover, one final time with his peeps, his entourage, his, his followers, his, his disciples, his twelve, which we hear about in, in the Gospel reading, John 13, 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now what did Jesus think when he smelled that lamb roasting in the kitchen? What did Jesus think as the lamb was being brought from the kitchen to the dining room and then placed on the table in their midst? What was he thinking? What was going through his mind in those moments? There. There is my future on that plate. My love will lead me, the Passover lamb, to the wood of the cross, where my flesh will be roasted, set, a, set, set ablaze in that hellacious inferno, where, where my blood will be spilled, poured out, to blot out all that got the Adams family kicked out, where I will be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world where I will love them to the end. And therefore, my love will have no end. Yes, dear friends, our Lord's love is steadfast, forever, eternal love. His love is forever because Jesus is forever. He lives forever. He is not just the roasted lamb. He's also the 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 resurrected lamb. More on that Sunday. Wink, 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 wink. I'll see you all there, right? <laughs> Just putting in my plug, my advertisement for Easter, right? Okay. The Lord's love lasts. It lasts. He takes this forever love, this eternal love he has, and he, and he places it on the tree of the cross, and he shatters the power of sin and death over all of humanity. His love is strong to save. His love is stronger than all of our fears, all of our tears, all of our regrets and disappointments, all of our jealousies, all of our broken dreams and dashed hopes, all of our angers <coughs> and hatreds. His love is stronger than all of it. And this love is not an absent love. It's not like you know, we have to play hide-and-seek with this love. This love is smack dab in our midst. In our midst this evening. 
His love roasted, resurrected, and now remembered. See, on that uh, first Maundy Thursday, Jesus took, you know, bread, and he took wine, and he brought the Passover, Dindin, to its fulfillment, its, its completion, where it was always going all along. He, he poured his life into it. And it burst. It burst with more, more love, more forgiveness, more grace, more life, more love, more joy than that, you know, old feast could ever handle. Pastor Paul, in the epistle reading, actually gives us the words that were spoken that changed the Passover dindin for good forever. 1 Corinthians 11, 23-25 For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. <coughs> remembrance! First and foremost, he remembers us. He remembers us. He will never, ever forget you and me. Ever. Period. This is the meal that reminds us that he will always remember us. Here in this meal, he reaches to us that low-hanging fruit from the tree of Calvary. Free. Free, 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 free forgiveness. Limitless life. Satisfying salvation. That's what he gives us in this meal. All of this packed into that teeny tiny styrofoam wafer and that teeny tiny sip of California port. I think it's from California. I don't know. It's <laughs> a good guess, though, right? Yeah, it's a, good, it's, a, it's a good guess. Yeah. Do you see what our Lord has done? Our Lord has reunited eating and drinking with the Word, the Word, eating and drinking with the tree. Where Mama Eve separated the Word and tree and brought forth sin and death and growl and guts, Jesus, who is the Word made flesh, gets stapled to a tree. So that he can bring forth forgiveness, life, and gratified tum-tums. Gratified guts. And he wants us to remember. He wants us to remember that here he reaches to us the fruits of his forsaken tree, which far surpass, far surpass what Mama Eve and Papa Adam lost at the forbidden tree. And we do remember, don't we? We remember this evening. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. 
We could be doing a thousand other things right now. Yeah, maybe uh, putzing around the house, cleaning, watching uh, Jeopardy, maybe doing a rerun of the Lions game. By the way, they lost. Sorry, Tigers, Tigers, sorry, Tigers, there we go. Too many animals in our sports teams. <laughs> hey, you know, they all lose anyway, so. We could be, you know, finishing up our taxes. <laughs> the deadline's coming. <laughs> but you're not, you're here. I'm here. Because this is too important to miss. Too important to miss. See, all the air, all the food, all the drink in the world can't save, can't satisfy, can't deliver from sin and death and from that satanic serpent. But this is different. This is different. Here is food and drink that gives us a waft of resurrection air which we will breathe forever when we get to our own Easter morning at the last day. See, Jesus reaches to us a love in this meal that is stronger than the grave's grip and therefore strong enough to resurrect us in both body and soul from the dust of death forever. That's our future, folks. Resurrection, baby, our own Easter morning at the last day. And this love that raises the dead, we get to sink our teeth into and sip in a few moments. A love that goes in from the outside, but should never stay on the inside. See, through this cup, and this loaf at this table, we are filled with Jesus' inexhaustible love. His love, which is inexhaustible. Which means that this love, his love, is forever shareable. So let's share it, shall we? Share the love of Christ Jesus. This is, after all, what he wants us to do. Today is called Maundy Thursday. Maundy, Thursday. Maundy, coming from the Latin, mandatum, which means commandment. Tonight, Jesus gives us a commandment to love one another as he has loved us. And he, and he hooks that commandment with his meal so that we can actually do it. So as you come forward this evening... Let the words of Jesus ring in your ear as you feast and gobble down the body and blood of Jesus. These words, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. <coughs> Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.